Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. So let's get going. You're listening to the Market Dominance Guys with your hosts, Chris Beal of Connect and Sell and Corey Frank of Uncommon Pro. Join us on the Market Dominance, guys, as Chris and Corey continue their conversation about sales enablement with CEO Roderick Jefferson of Roderick Jefferson & Associates. This week, the guys address the challenge of hiring the right people for this function, people who have a certain level of sales credibility within the company. Roderick explains that in order to be a respected voice and get a vote when it comes to providing sales enablement tools and processes to support the sales team, you need to bring people on board who have extensive sales experience. Now, don't get them wrong. Roderick is not advocating a perpetual continuation of do sales the way we've always done sales. Instead, he suggests hiring those who understand that what really works in sales is helping clients maintain their customer roster and aiding clients with increasing their profits, reducing their costs, and mitigating their risks. In other words, your need to hire a sales enablement team dedicated to having conversations with prospects about business outcome. Roderick states that to do this, salespeople have to stop giving presentations and start having conversations, true discovery conversations. Isn't it a miracle, Chris says, that most salespeople act as though whatever a prospect's pain is, their product will fix it? The guys wind up this market dominance guys session in agreement that sales reps should be taught how to get out of the way when their solution is not a solution. You won't believe your ears at some of the eye-opening, jaw-dropping ideas in this week's podcast. Got pain? Have I got a product for you. Ooh, how do you get that credibility then? Because of all the kinds of functions in a company that have a hard time getting the seat at the table... Sales enablement, not as a function, but as a kind of function. You know what it's like to have the bad stagger when you're you're running (laughs) on a curved racetrack, right? Uh, Absolutely. It's not a good thing. There are three ways that I've realized in my career to get that. First and foremost is the credibility of hiring folks on the sales enablement team that have carried a bag in some sort. Uh, Number one. Number one, because how can I talk to you about how comfortable or uncomfortable your shoes are if I've never walked in. I don't care if you're a BDR, if you are a CSM, if you're an SC, if you're an AE, that's the person I want to hire on my team. Yeah, there's usually the whole difference in mindset and you've got to worry about having the the attention span of a gnat's butt, those kind of things. But you get past that. And now you've got someone that says, I've walked in those shoes, so you can't fluff me. I had to put stuff in the CRM just like you. I didn't want to do it either, but here's what came out of it. The second is you focus on the why of what is happening in the company, not just the, the what or the how. And that why all comes back to all of those metrics that I said earlier. And I know we all laugh, but if you continue to talk about butts and seats and smiley sheets, you're bringing no value. So if I can say that I have brought things to the table that help accelerate the speed to revenue, increase sales productivity, and also connected the front and the back of the house of sales and, and post-sales CSM. And so we're not building this big, beautiful house that companies and customers are are treading out of the back door. Then now you're talking with 
some not only level of credibility, but you've got supporting documentation. The third is something else we laughed about earlier. You've got to be at the table when the RFP is being written. You can't come in after it's done. And the same goes for the annual goals and, and how that's going to be achieved and adopted. If you do those first two properly, that gets you to that seat to get there. And having someone that sits in the big chair in sales enablement that has done these things, it is much easier to get that voice and that vote, not just the voice, but the vote at the table. Unfortunately, we've got folks that have these inflated title of, I'm a senior director, I'm a VP of sales enablement. I'm like, have you ever even run a boot camp? Well, I've got people that do that. Can you build your own slides? Do you sit down monthly and talk to all of the other clients? When's the last time you went out in the field with sales folks? When the answer is not a positive answer to any of those questions, you're never going to be seen as anything but a cost center and the fixers of broken people and broken things. Man, going out in the field, that's something that got easy with COVID, didn't it? Whoo, boy, did it. But it also changed things, right? Because now going out in the field means like we do on, on Zoom here. Yep. You're being invited into someone's home. Selling has never been as personal as it is right now, right, guys? And you can't, so we all know, you can't sell sitting across this camera the same way you did sitting in someone's office or in the golf course or, you know, having a gray goose and pineapple or whatever it may be. So that's the first thing that we had to shift to sales needlement for. What does remote selling actually mean? And how do we teach something to our first line managers so that they can adopt it, execute it, and then model that positive behavior? Because what's important to them is imperative to their people, right? So how do we get them in line first? Then you go down and work to the IC. Because Chris, if you tell me something and you're my boss, it's important to you. It's imperative to me. Yep. Because I want to sit in your chair one day. Well, they haven't made that person, but okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, we won't use you because you're a different kind of example. Yeah, nobody wants that. Right? <laughs> they, want, they want somebody to wear shoes or something. <laughs> but shoes I are them. overrated. Nobody likes to have regular <laughs> meetings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so there's... Those are such superior points. And, you know, that one, you know, it, it's kind of funny. One thing a great salesperson knows how to do is navigate a difficult conversation to get to an outcome without going straight at stuff, right? Absolutely. All great salespeople know that going straight at it is not going to get it done very often. I call it the dog, the bone, and the chain link fence problem. You try to go through the chain link fence to get the bone and the gate's 10 feet to your right, you're just a dog, Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just a dog, and you're just going to be a dog of the bloody nose for a long time. And that's how a lot of salespeople behave. Interestingly enough, in budget meetings, that's how a lot of people who are used to scrambling for budget behave, like they can never give anything up. Right. And anybody wants to get more in a budget meeting who's serious about it, is a good salesperson, knows that what you do is you say, you know what? I had that down. I actually, if I could have just this particular thing, this cooperation here, so we work together like this, I wouldn't need that. I can get those dollars out and free them up and do something else with them. But you don't hear that very often, do you? No. Well, you mean finding things to be mutually equitable <laughs> rather than I need a bigger slice of the pie than you? People, the pie has always been the same size, whether you're a horrible company or a successful company. It's a pie. It's how that pie is actually chopped up that it comes out. And to your point, I love it. You give to get and you have to horse trade. You've got to figure out how to make things mutually equitable. Once you figure out how to do that, that's the first step to removing some of those silos and breaking down some of those internal politics. 
Unfortunately, yeah. too many companies and too many leaders get stuck in, this is the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Or this is the way that I came up with. In my day, your day is gone, buddy. And you're <laughs> about a quarter of an inch away from being pastured without a Lifetime Achievement Award, Corey. <laughs> and you don't even realize it yet. And you're still trying to do things the way that you've always done it. But is that sales enablement 4.0? If, if both of you guys had to, Chris hates it when I ask him to be a prognosticator, Chris the Greek, uh, Jimmy the Greek here. But is it possible with a lot of the old school guys like us, maybe exiting the workforce and new collaborative minded organic minded folks coming up through the ranks about sales enablement 3.0 and collaboration, et cetera. Do you, what do you see as Chris had mentioned that the oldest profession, right? And it is uh, sales here. We've been around for a long time, but enablement 4.0, right? What does that look like when you're getting your second lifetime achievement? When the word's named after you, what does it look like? We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say all seriousness. I, I think what it looks like is you get away from talking about the basics of accelerating time to revenue and increasing productivity. And you really start focusing on kind of four things. One, how do you help your existing customers maintain the customers they have? And everything goes back to the customer, right? <clears throat> the second is you put the buyer journey first and foremost and stop talking about your sales processes, your sales tools, your sales motions. Next, you start talking about how you can help them increase profit, reduce costs, mitigate risk. And then finally, you start having business outcome focused conversations instead of bits, bytes, and bots. And what happens is then your sales folks start having conversations and they stop giving presentations. Mm. Well, Corey, you know how I feel about conversations. <laughs> I don't think anything happens otherwise. I think the next revolution in sales and therefore sales enablement takes place in three arenas that we tend to give short shrift to. Number one, the one at the top is human psychology. We just assume that salespeople are somehow native psychologists, that they just know what the buyer's journey is inside the buyer. Until you know what the buyer's journey is inside the buyer, you got no business talking about it outside the buyer. It doesn't make any sense at all. What's going on inside, which is generally an emotional path that's being taken, knowing where somebody is. So for instance, in how many sales enablement enabled systems can we answer this question? In this deal right now, concretely, at this stage, company XYZ looking at us right now, the person who is most likely to influence the decision in a negative way and be effective doing so, what is their current belief about the value of what we provide and our ability to provide that value? Mm-hmm. Can that question be answered by any system that anybody puts in place? It is the question that determines the outcome of almost every sales process, of almost every buyer's journey. 
somebody doesn't feel comfortable moving forward. And that's an emotional question. And so I think we're going to learn how to do things in sales enablement that make a difference in our company's ability and our partner's ability to understand where people are right now and where they might go emotionally, psychologically, in order to be able to do business with us. So that's number one. Number two, same thing with regard to politics. Politics is just the psychology of organizations being played out in decisions, including the decision not to buy something, the easiest decision in the world. So it's the same thing. And, you know, we bits, bites, and bots, man, those things are totally irrelevant when you come right down to it. It's like, so is Mary over there going to refuse to get on board with this because it's much more important for her to have a political win by not getting on board than for her to have the company have a win by her getting on board because that's going to determine the outcome. Do we teach that stuff? Do we assess that stuff? Do we formalize that stuff? Do we have a program around that stuff? Uh, That's pretty important right there. And then third is business. I mean, I cannot tell you how many salespeople I know, including some on my own team, who don't know the difference between something as simple as a booking and revenue, much less what revenue recognition is, what gross margin is, what operating income is and operating margin is, what EBITDA is, and why those things matter. You know, when it's somebody selling to a, a public company and I ask them, so what did the CEO say in the first uh, three, four paragraphs, the quarterly earnings call transcript? And they look at me like a cow looks at an oncoming train. That's a sales enablement problem. Mm, agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, OPEX, CAPEX, you got it. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I think there's a simpler, even more basic thing that just hit me, Chris, that as you were talking and really resonated with me, and that is, Guys like you and I and and Corey as well, we teach sales folks how to ask questions. We teach them the right questions to ask. We teach them how to dive, especially in your case, Chris, how to dive into the psyche and understand that piece, right? And then they get to this cliff and they come up short because they're able to understand what the problem is and diagnose the problem, but then they don't know how to take that next step. So now you have the problem. That next step in my mind is the you've figured out the pain or highlighted the pain. Now, how do you resolve that pain? Is it Vicodin? Is it Valium? Is it Percocet? Is it Tylenol? Or is it an extraction or an amputation to stop the bleeding right now? They stop short of that piece. And to your point, Corey, from sales enablement, that's going to have to be sales enablement 4.0, if not the latter part of 3.0 that then ushers us over. Because getting to that point of, of, Diagnosing the pain, but not actually giving a, a remedy for the pain gets you nowhere other than everyone frustrated. Yeah. Well, that's so true. Isn't it a miracle, Roderick? And this is just a miracle. There's a lot of miracles in the world. Actually, there aren't that many, but there's 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 a palpable number of them, like the fact that we're alive right now and still breathing. Absolutely. It's a strange miracle, though. Salesperson goes through a big diagnostic process, a good looking one. Everybody look at it and go, it's great. Isn't it a miracle? The answer is always buy my product. (laughs) Because we don't teach them how to qual out, just qual in. Therein lies the big problem. We don't even teach them the respect that beyond that, the honor of saying to somebody, you know what? This is not going to work for you as I see it. 
We could try using it like this, but I think we'd run into this problem. We could try using it like this, but I think we'd run into this problem. One guy got away with using it like this, but I think he was a little bit of a magician and he got fired. Yeah. Right? That's an honorable thing to say. When somebody says sales is an honorable profession, it's honorable at the point where you show somebody that your product is not the solution to their problem. Up until then, you're just a shill. Yeah. I think uh, our friend Jay McGuire uh, did a whole movie on that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> less clients, more money, right? The right yeah. clients. The right clients. That's the key. Relationships, right? Across all of them. So tell you what, so I know we're under a hard stop. We got Chris traveling today. We got Roderick handling clients. He's, I think you're doing a, you're doing a press junket for this Lifetime Achievement Award, I think, right? I, I don't know if you're on E or I don't know what you're <laughs> Uh, hey, I'm just I'm just moving in the shadows trying to make it happen now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll name like a parkway or a truck stop after you next. Maybe that's kind of how it goes. I don't know the evolution up there. Something maybe in Fresno, like you know the Roderick Jefferson um, uh, uh, Memorial uh, truck stop. Man, you got me all the way up to Fresno. I, I think I'd have to work up to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get a, people can get a hold of you at RoderickJefferson.com, right? And you're yeah, all. It, you're, you're all over. I'm me. all over. You're social, all over yeah. Twitter. You're all over everything. Yeah. And and if people can't find me, they're really not trying because <laughs> I'm all over the place. You can find me on LinkedIn at Roderick Jefferson on both Twitter and Facebook at the Voice of Rod. You can email me at info at RoderickJefferson.com. You can hit me at RoderickJefferson.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Roderick underscore J underscore Associates. Great. I want to do something, or just for your listeners, mm-hmm. right? Um. If they would like to get the book, send an email over to info at roderickjefferson.com. And when they do, let me know that they heard about it on this podcast. And what I will do then is give them a promo code that they can actually use for a good sizable chunk on a Udemy course around sales enablement for those that want to know more about it. Gotcha. That's right. Your Udemy course is doing pretty well as well. It's the bestseller in 40 countries now. So, and, and I'm starting to give away bits and pieces of it now. So send me an email, info at Roderick Jefferson, and I will give you $35 off of my course. Okay. Wow. I think I don't think we've ever discount code offered on our marketdominanceguys.com show yet, but it's the first. I love it. Well, Roderick, gotta kick we, it have a, we, we talked about sales enablement 4.0, and we got to definitely have you on at least a two or three more times, I think, Chris, right? Because it's certainly great content. And having you in and Chris Roderick together makes my job easier to sit back and take my pages of notes here in my notebook. So I appreciate that. As Chris, my absolute knows, pleasure, guys. Anytime I can come on with you two, perfect. And and sit down with you guys. I'm in. You say the word, it's done. Great. Well, until next time, this is Chris Beal, the Sage of Sales, and Corey Frank from Young Blood Works and the Market Dominance Guys. Till next time. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.